0: sharp,
1: pointed, and insightful. This is
2: Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. We will not stand for the vile smears, the hateful attacks, and the vicious assaults on the courageous men and women of ICE, Border Patrol, and law enforcement. We will protect those who protect us. No one's talking about the fact that Donald Trump said Mexico is going to pay for the wall. He's talking about shutting down the US government because of funding for the wall that he said Mexico was going
0: to pay for. The
2: extremists who attack ICE and CBC like to portray themselves as champions of social justice. They are not. People are dying because of their either lack of knowledge, lack of understanding, or just plain stupidity. So the intimation is when you introduce somebody who's Hispanic that he can't speak perfect English. Oh, which is I don't know. Wait, look, wh- okay, uh, uh, Trump is bad. Okay, uh, uh, fine. And now, Stacy Washington.
3: Uh, yeah, Trump is bad. <laughs> Welcome back to the program. Great to be with you today. Uh, I just want to let you know that I've already gone onto the NewsGuard Tech website and I've sent in a request as a freelance writer and radio host, so, in other words, member of the media, um, to get... Uh, A feedback on whether or not this organization is truly neutral. And why would I be concerned with that? Well, I'm concerned with it because in my mind, an organization that immediately begins work on rating conservative sites like PJ Media might have a bit of an agenda that they're working through. So I've asked them this question, NewsGuard, They have a contact NewsGuard give feedback page on their website. They have a list of everyone who works there. And I looked down the list. I didn't recognize any names, which is not odd. I mean, the place just started up. I asked them, how many of your employees are politically conservative, right-leaning, or open Republicans? How do you handle bias within your organization? What information can you provide to assure the public that you are a neutral public ratings organization and are not working on behalf of the Democrats? I look forward to your responses. And I gave them uh, contact information to get back with me. And I will be posting a screenshot of that uh, particular missive that I sent over uh, on my Twitter account and on Facebook. And I look forward to posting their response. And I'm hoping that it's on the up and up and that's above board. But in my mind, something that stood up just now, right before the midterms, where they're rating conservative organizations, I wouldn't be surprised to find out it, that they're funded by George Soros or one of the offshoots of George Soros's. Uh, you know, progressive organizations, or that they have some kind of backhanded ties way back deep in the background to Facebook. So we'll see. We'll see what their response is, but I look forward to hearing from them. Uh, I, you know, the fact that they have a give feedback tab on their website, hopefully they will respond. Um, so you were just listening to a mashup of, of different audio bits from the show today. And right now, we're going to have quite a bit from Tucker Carlson because he had a couple of fantastic guests on his show. And I want to unpack the conversations that they had because, let's face it, we're not getting this from regular media. No one else is talking about the fact that China is a bad actor and they are so deeply embedded into our American institutions, technology, universities, in the education side. All of it is they're they're why are they here? Because they want what we have. They want our brain power, but they're not gonna they don't want Americans because Americans are used to freedom and freedom of speech and liberty and you know voting and doing whatever we want and leaving the country and you know not being Americans if we don't want to, being Americans but living abroad if we want to. They're not into that kind of stuff. So they don't want Americans, but they want what Americans make. They want our intellectual property. And they want to achieve dominance over the world stage. They want to usurp our power base. So how do they do that? Well, it's kind of hard to do if the government is run by rabidly pro-American interests. But how do you get a rabidly pro-American interest to be rabidly pro-China? Well, you can pay them to do that because we allow lobbying in this country. And so that's what they're doing here in this bit. Number three, we're here, Tucker Carlson, talking about U.S. citizens, some of whom you're going to be really surprised to hear are doing this, advocating for China.
2: Well, China is working hard to overtake the United States as the most powerful country in the world economically and militarily. It's a struggle that will define future generations for Americans. And yet, remarkably, not all Americans are taking their country's side in this conflict. There are plenty of high-level American officials now on China's payroll, many of them. For example, Mickey Kanner was U.S. trade representative from 1993 to 1996. He was a close advisor to Bill Clinton. Now he's on the advisory board of a Chinese smart TV manufacturer, as we've co- covered on this show. Marco Rubio, among others, fears that these televisions could be used to spy on Americans. It's not a crazy fear. Meanwhile, former Congressman Rick Boucher, a Republican of Virginia, works as the lead lobbyist for HickVision. That's a Chinese video surveillance company, because that's not creepy or anything. Even former House Speaker John Boehner is a pro-China lobbyist now.
3: John Boehner? John Boehner. (laughs) So in other words, people who are no longer in government but know how government works and have an extensive list of contacts, people that they can call or email and get information, back channel, unofficial verification of something that's happening or something that's never going to happen, those contacts remain, and John Boehner would be one of those people. You you might think, oh, he's been out of government for a while. Sure, he has, but not long enough for his contact list to be bad. Oh, he's somebody who has, he's he's got a contact list. I don't know anybody who wouldn't like to you know, John, could you share the, your contact list? And if he said yes, we'd be like, woohoo, that's the email list you want to have. But I probably don't have enough money to get John Boehner to share his list with me. So the Chinese government, they have enough. They definitely made him an offer that he couldn't refuse. And now he's advocating for them. And in the big scheme of things, if you just—if we just look at it on the surface level, you're like, oh, you know, what's wrong with him lobbying? That's a perk and benefit of having served at a high level level. And the federal government in Washington, D.C., you know, he was the Speaker of the House. He's going to have something he can do with that after he leaves office. If you don't think that that's the case, then being naive. I agree. I agree. He does have every right to make a living now that he's not the Speaker of the House anymore. And he can lobby on behalf of foreign governments, foreign organizations, et cetera, et cetera. But why are we not hearing the Democrats beating a drum of China, China, China when China tries to impact our elections? China would love to see America be just America, not the United States of America. If we had a seceded California and a seceded Texas and, you know, Florida was on the cusp, maybe it's thinking about seceding and the rest of the country is in turmoil, fighting amongst itself about what what does this country look like if we're not the United States of America? if We're just a loose conglomeration of states with individual GDPs. And how do I know they like that? Look look at Wikipedia. Wikipedia treats the United States as if it's a bunch of individual countries that join together to call itself the United States, and they measure us that way, but then they measure each state individually. This is not a new concept. Around the globe, there are plenty of despots and, and ne'er-do-wells who would love to see the United States of America, which is one nation united under God, indivisible. They'd love to see it just be you know, Georgia's a state, Mississippi's a state, because individually, our states are still powerhouses of GDP and production. But the cohesive nature of our country, the 50 states joined together, plus, you know, some territories and, and uh, the District of Washington, D.C., the District of Columbia, I, it's hard to beat. It's hard to come up against it. And as much as we like to decry California and talk about how they're not doing what they need to do, just think about the GDP of California. It's top 10 in the world. California by itself, same with Texas. I mean, we, we have some amazing things going on here in this country. Our country is amazing. Together, it's unstoppable. But it's not because of us individually, like we're just so fantastic. It's unstoppable because it's one nation under God. So back to Tucker Carlson, he has Gertz on to talk about China's influence operations and how they've been extremely effective on U.S. policy. Extremely effective. Now, what would you say is the ratings level for Putin's operations to influence American politics? I'd say he gets a so-so rating. If it's capitalizing on the divisions in the United States, he's been very successful at doing that. But in influencing governmental policy, Putin hasn't been so strong. So here is Gertz talking about how China has been extremely effective.
2: Bill Gertz is a senior editor at the Washington Free Beacon, and he joins us now. Bill, you've heard a lot of people say in the past couple of months, so-and-so is betraying his country, acting against American interests. Here you have a bipartisan collection of people who are demonstrably working against America's interests, and that's okay in Washington? How does that work?
0: It's a huge problem. China's uh, information and influence operations have been extremely effective. Uh, they're literally buying up former officials. They're utilizing coercive measures to get U.S. businessmen who have interests in China to do their bidding. And uh, very little is being done about it. I mean, we hear a lot about uh, Russian influence operations. Uh, what China has been doing over the last 30 years uh, is huge compared to what the Russians have done in terms of influencing the U.S. government. They've literally changed the direction of American foreign policy towards China.
2: And it's terrifying and unlike Russia, China actually has promise of overtaking the United States as the preeminent nation in the world. They're our our rival. They're a threat to our interests. So why is it socially acceptable for Rick Boucher or Mickey Cantor or John Boehner, God help him, to lobby openly on behalf of
3: China? You know, why is that so, um, like, okay? It's because that's not the focus of our media. It's not actually okay. And I think if Americans knew it was going on, it would be even less okay. Most Americans, if they saw this on the nightly news, they would be disturbed. And I'm not talking about card-carrying, Bible-thumping, AR-15 cleaning on a you know weekly or monthly basis Americans. I'm not talking about your dyed-in-the-wool conservatives who you're, you're presently working on memorizing scripture. I'm not talking about us. I said... Americans. So regular Joes who might be Democrats, might be union members. You know, these are good Americans, too. It's not that the only good Americans in this country are on the right. There's plenty of people in this country who, if they thought that John Boehner was lobbying on behalf of China and actually impacting U.S. policy, they would put their put that coffee cup down or that dinner. You know, you put your fork down at the dinner table and they'd say, now, wait a minute now. Uh, uh, China. They would stop feeding the kids for a second and say, I need to I need to read up some more on that after we get the kids in bed tonight. The parents would just look over the table at each other and say, China. Yeah, of course they would. So this, this idea that it's not important to Americans, that's that's not that's not the case. It's important. It's just not being reported. You got to listen to American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk to get this information. Because they're just not going to talk about it. Yeah, Fox News, absolutely. And with reach like that, you might say, oh, you know, it's, it's covered. But that's the conservative audience and people who like to hear the truth, but they like to kind of, you know, dance around it and say, oh, I only watch Fox to see what the opposition is saying. No, you watch it because you like it. You like all the pretty people on there and you like getting facts. Yeah, don't, 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 don't act like we don't know what you're doing. But other than that, who's covering this? NBC, Nightly News, uh, you know, CBS. No, no, they're not covering it. So they've got U.S. officials, people who have, like I said, it's this email contact list they have that's so valuable. They're buying up these former officials. They're buying them up. They're utilizing coercive measures to get U.S. businessmen who have interest in China to do their bidding. So in other words, yeah, I know your plant. It needs expanding. Your business is booming in the United States. You're spreading out. You're now doing some international shipping on your widget. And you want to expand your factory here in China. And we'll let you expand it. But first, we need some introductions. We are interested in the uh, governor of your state. We noticed that in you know, social media that you golf together. We'd like to speak to the governor of your state. Well, I don't know if I can make that introduction. He's We'd like to speak to the governor of your state. We want an introduction. We, and by introduction, we mean we're going to have some Chinese officials in your state. And we want you to arrange some travel time with the governor and you and these officials. Or you just may not be able to get that expansion that you're looking for. And you won't be able to get it here or in Taiwan or anywhere in Asia. We'll make sure you can't expand your plant anywhere that we have any interest in unless you get us that meeting. You see how that works? And we're worried about Russia. Yes, we can we can chew gum and tie our shoes at the same time. The point is, we're not talking about China at all. When we get back, we'll have more for you. Stay right there.
1: When our health insurance renewal notice arrived last fall, my wife and I made the decision to drop our plan. With the monthly premiums and deductible, we'd have to pay $30,000 just to use it. So we did our homework and switched to MediShare. The cost savings are incredible, over $500 a month. And we don't have to pay for services we don't need or don't agree with. Then out of the blue, she had to have emergency surgery. Scary stuff. $150,000 in hospital bills. And Medishare members took care of everything. All we paid was our small portion. I'm a doctor who's been in healthcare for 20 years, and this is one of the most impressive programs I've ever seen. Thank God she's fully recovered, and now we're telling everyone about Medishare. Call 855 Psalm 23 to find out how much you can save on your healthcare. Medishare. Call 855 Psalm 23. That's 855 Psalm 23. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. As we approach the November midterm elections, it's worth mentioning once again the need for states and local jurisdictions to clean up their voter rolls. The recent special election in Ohio was yet another reminder of the fact that there is still a lot of work to be done. The race between Republican Troy Balderson and Democratic Danny O'Connor ended up being very close. That means the counting of absentee ballots and provisional ballots will be important and could make the difference. You know, close elections like this illustrate the need for accurate voter rolls and the need for voter ID. One expert with the Government Accountability Institute reports that there are 170 registered voters in Ohio's 12th congressional district that were listed as being over 116 years old. In case you're wondering, the world's oldest living person is a 115-year-old resident of Japan. You would think that that fact alone would be reason enough to start cleaning up the voter rolls and to implement voter ID. But just look at the responses on Twitter when Shannon Bream of Fox News posted her tweet about 170 voters in Ohio race over 116 years old. Or look at the response when talk show host Kevin McCullough posted that this was an argument for voter ID. The responses range from claims that voter ID is racist and elitist to those who point to voter fraud that led to the election of Donald Trump. That one got me. On the one hand, they believe that Russian tampering led to the illegitimate election of the president, but also believe that there is no possibility that election fraud could occur in the recent congressional special election. One report estimates that there are 248 counties in this country that have more names on the voter rolls than the total number of people of voting age in those counties. That's too much opportunity for mischief. It is time to clean up the voter rolls. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my Point of View. Take Kirby and the Point of View team with you on the go with the Point of View app. Search for Point of View Radio at the Apple or Google Play stores.
2: You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Why does nobody say, well, wait a second, what are you doing acting against America's interests?
0: Well, up until the Trump administration, uh, there was this narrative uh, through successive Republican and Democratic administrations. Uh, the big propaganda theme was China is not a threat. Uh, Trump has come out and said, hey, look, the emperor has no clothes, Uh, China is a threat. And it's not just limited to these former officials and uh, congressmen and former commerce and officials and and the like. They're actually going after former military officials. There's a program called the Sonya Initiative, which was launched about 10 years ago by the former vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Admiral Bill Owens. And uh, he basically was has uh, made tens of millions of dollars in China and he formed this organization of former military officials who literally lobbied Congress and the administration to do China's bidding.
3: Did you hear that? He's literally lobbied the government of the United States to do the bidding of China and he did that for money. Meanwhile, Brennan calls our sitting president of the United States a treasonous traitor. Because he's done business with some Russians when he was a member of the private sector. But these guys are literally, they it's not enough for them to just, you know, lobby individually. China is is going after congressmen, former commerce officials, et cetera, but the military officials they like the most because the military officials have this credibility that even some other members of the government just, they can't match that credibility factor if you served honorably in the U.S. forces, especially these men at very high-ranking levels where they're making decisions that literally troops are being moved and the enemy's being killed, resources are being allocated, Companies are growing exponentially because of the military purchases that are being made for hardware. They're, these men have had ultimate power, and now they're in the private sector. And the Chinese government is like, you'd be perfect for us because we need help with the U.S. government. And who better to make the 4A for us than someone who served honorably and is now in the private sector? And so these, these men... The former vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Admiral Bill Owens, this is a man who still has staff. He's retired now, but he still has staffers. He still has people who handle not just his mail, but his speaking engagements and his his calendar and his schedule. He is still a man of power and influence. And he put together an organization of former military officials who literally lobbied Congress and the administration to do China's bidding. And that's not... Anything to be concerned about, news media? Where is Don Lemon, with one of his contributors on the show, crying about how horrible it is that this is happening? Where where are the talking heads and pundits slamming their hands on the table and telling other people to get out? Get out. You know, basically losing all of their candor and decorum over emotional-laden responses over stuff that really, it, it matters neither here nor there except to the individuals that are involved. And you know what I'm talking about. I'm gonna go ahead and say it. People who've experienced racial incidents, ding, 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 it's happened to me. But a racial incident that happened to me or me and my husband in St. Louis County doesn't have any bearing on the national stage. And that is what we're doing. We're elevating individual stories, which, you know, some of them are, it's, it's painful. It's like people are mean. People are rude. People are going to people. We're elevating that to a national story when the real national story is why hasn't some, you know, hard tech reporter who's good in the scrum, how, how, how hasn't some person like that not come forward and said, I'd like an interview with Admiral Bill Owens, please reach out to some of his staff and say, hey, you know, we hear he's open. We he started this organization that lobbies on behalf of uh, China. We'd like to talk to him about it. Reaching out for an interview. Who is it? Who's reaching out for the interview? NBC News. You better believe those staffers would be scurrying around and they would get at the Admiral. They'd get him on the, hey, sir, we got we got, we got got NBC News asking about, you know, whatever the organization is. They want to know, they, they want to talk to you about, they want an interview. They'd have to figure some stuff out quick, wouldn't they? And then if... NBC was asking for the interview, and you know how all the reporters talk. Maybe somebody from, I don't know, Time Magazine, Newsweek, anybody. If you're in the media, if you're working for an organization and your email ends with thatorganization.com, how about you reach out to Admiral, Admiral Bill Owens and say, dude, we heard you made tens of millions of dollars lobbying for the Chinese. Care to talk about it? Can you explain to us what that's all about? We just want to know. I mean, this sounds much more interesting than the Bourne series where Jason Bourne does all that stuff around the world. He's an agent. He's something. He's something. This is much more interesting than that. I'd love to see Netflix make a movie about this instead of making all the ridiculous movies that are trying to destroy the children of America, which, by the way, is why I don't mind telling you we don't have Netflix anymore. We don't have it. We cut them off because they are putting out content that harms children and they don't want to hear our objections over it and so we cut them off. It's just a little sidebar. So this is what's going on here. This this is what's happening. And it's not okay for this to be the situation. It's not okay for this to be the the uh you know the the matter of course for our government. To, you know, you got the former chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He was a retired admiral. He is a retired admiral of the United States Navy, later vice chairman of the Joint Chiefs. Since leaving the military in 1996, Bill Owens has served as an executive or as a member of the board of directors for various companies, including Nortel Networks Corporation. He's 78 years old. He's well-educated. And yeah, he's written a book, Lifting the Fog of War. He co wrote that with Edward Offley. Now, let's see what else we've got here. He's joined the Visualization Software Company's Board of Advisors. The company's name is Idelix. And that was in 2002. And then, of course, he did a leaders interview with leadersmag.com. He was the, at that point when they did this interview, he was the uh, CenturyLink. He was, he was in leadership in CenturyLink. What an amazing uh, bio this guy has. He's the former CEO and vice chairman of Nortel Networks, the CEO and chairman of Teledesic. Um, he founded the technology companies Lumera, Extend America, Amerilink, Yang Zi, Flow Mobile, Red Bison, and Prometheus. In 2004, Owens received the Intrepid Salute Award in recognition of his business achievements and support of important philanthropic activities. He's been awarded the French Orgery National De Legion d'Honneur and was David Sarnoff Award winner for his contribution to advanced technology. He received his master's degree in business from George Washington and is a graduate of the U.S. Naval Academy and Oxford University. So a well-educated man who served his country honorably and then went on to leverage his education and background with the U.S. military and his contact list into corporation after corporation after corporation. He wrote more than 50 articles on national security. He's authored two books. One is called High Seas and the other one I already mentioned. Now, these are not companies we've never heard of before, Nortel Networks. So the question is, somewhere in this interview, perhaps they ask him about uh, his work lobbying for the Chinese. Military preparedness and spending, they asked him about. Hmm. When you left the military, what were you seeking? He was seeking to run businesses. Ah, here we go. What is the status of U.S.-China relations today And is enough being done to foster positive relations? Ah. So he's actually merged Nortel with Huawei, which is a Chinese company. He was welcomed into China with Nortel telecoms equipment, wireless systems, and metro optical systems. (sighs) So overall... It was his experience with that merger that took him into being convinced that the partnership between China and the United States is the most important geopolitical benefit for our children. He started looking for anything he could do to make that partnership happen. He was offered the chance to go to China to head AEA holdings, and he loved that idea. So then he moved to King Kong as a full-time chairman and CEO where he could do some interesting things for AEA and start to engage the U.S. and China. Seven years ago, he established the Sanya Initiative to bring together a group of JCS-level retired generals with a similar group from China. This is a relationship that has changed his own and his U.S. colleagues' minds about Chinese intentions and where they're going. Likewise, it has changed those generals' views about where the Americans are going. The Sanya initiative has resulted in similar philanthropy, which we've called the Summer Place Dialogue with Minister Liu He. Liu He is very close to President Xi Jinping on economic and central planning issues. He and I have for four years brought together a group of great economists along the lines of the Sanya model to talk about economic issues between America and China. This has convinced me that even old set-in-their-ways military guys can end up forging strong relationships. In light of the the new world reality, there's much to be done to support the U.S.-China relationship. Now, what he doesn't talk about is the tens of millions of dollars he has made while working on the Sanya initiative, which is what was reported over at the Free Beacon for this interview. So, look, (laughs) I'm not against people going to foreign countries and creating partnerships and making money, and I'm not against American businessmen getting information to the Chinese businessmen so that they can forge better relationships to do more business. But if the goal is to change our outlook towards China, and that's being done while an administration is in power, such as the Obama administration, where they really didn't care what kind of relationships. We had business-wise with other countries. They just wanted to make sure America was sub, sub subverted. So we are underneath the other countries. Remember, that was one of the primary goals of the Obama administration was to reorient America's posture around the world so that we were no longer a dominant force, but a contributor. And he was able to do that. And so if you couple that with this Sanyi initiative, which had it been done under the current administration, yeah, I said it. Had it been done under the Trump administration, then Donald Trump would have said, well, my contribution to this is to make sure that whatever deals we're making, whatever business opportunities that Norton or whoever it is, AEA, whatever, whatever these companies are doing with Chinese companies, that there's no coercion involved, that it's just straight up business, zero for zero on the tariffs, you know, one for one on whatever partnerships you're creating, that it's just equal footing business. You give, I give. If I give this on this end, you give that on your end, like, you know, business. But under the Obama administration, it would just be, oh, well, we need to have a good relationship with them because we've been bad actors in the past. And that was how Barack Obama handled these types of things. And so I know there's invariably going to be someone who's like, oh, you know, I don't care about this. You know what? You should care. This is the reason why our trade relationship with China has been so bad in the past and why it is so hard for President Trump to make changes in that area. The reason he can't just make the change is because the Chinese government, they don't just, it's not like Donald Trump is making these decisions in a vacuum where it's just him and a few aides and they're having these conversations and that's it. Donald Trump is actually spending time receiving feedback from people who are in our government who should be on our side, but have been co-opted by these Chinese people, by these Chinese businessmen. It's not an accident that you're just, this leaders initiative, leaders online, and they interviewed him. You know, you've got this former, like he's the number two in power in our military when he was the head of the Joint Chiefs. And he gets together this group of JCS-level retired generals. So another, it's basically all of the guys who've had the same job he's had. And they're all sitting around talking. Can you imagine the knowledge base in a room like that? All of those JCS-level generals sitting around and They don't have anything to lose. In fact, they have much to gain by the relationships, by traveling to China, by receiving these Chinese generals and their their staff into their homes or their country clubs or what have you. They have much to gain from that because there's a lot of money exchanging hands. People like that only sit down a certain number of times before they're expecting some kind of a deal to be made. They don't waste their time. You don't get to that level by being a time waster, a procrastinator, someone who can't be trusted to follow through. So when they get together in a space, big things are happening. He talked about mergers of companies that he oversaw. This is all happening within that power dynamic. And the Chinese are interfacing because it benefits them. They're not going to be there in that room, in that space, taking these meetings with these generals unless it is benefiting them. Chinese generals are not going to sit around with a bunch of Americans who are retired and just talk sports or just play golf. As fantastic as America's golf courses are, those generals are not coming here just to get some recreation. They can come here and get recreation on their own money. They can come here. Anyone can come to America and play golf. So this is an amazing revelation that should be on every single news outlet. It's not really a revelation if you think about it because this interview that he did talking about all, the, all what he did, this is not new. Let me click on it see what the if the date yeah 2014 April of 2014 is when this article came out I was only prompted to look for it because of the article at the award-winning Washington Free Beacon which is the interview with Garrett Gertz on Tucker Carlson but again I mean let's all just talk about how Donald Trump is a traitor or something because that's way more important than the real deal which is what I just gave you there Donald Trump being a traitor, that's like a couple of jelly beans. This is the steak dinner. All right, when we get back, we have more for you. Stay there. What does it take to live an uncommon life? Here's former Super Bowl winning coach Tony Dungy with today's Uncommon Moment. How often have you seen a team jump out to a big lead and then change their offense or defense or just relax a little bit thinking that the game is already won? You'd think they would continue to play the same tough defense that had been successful, persevering until they won. But they don't and they lose. There's always something left to be done right until the very end. The race of faithfulness is different for each person. Your job is to remain faithful and run it until the end, keeping the prize in your sights. The prize for finishing the race and remaining faithful is the crown of righteousness
1: that He will give us when He returns.
3: New York Times best-selling author, Tony Dungy. Discover more at CoachDungy.com. That's CoachDungy.com.
2: Abraham Hamilton
1: III,
3: God put
2: us in this world at this time to be salt and light we don't fold because of the darkness that we're facing this is not the first time in the world's history that it's gotten dark god has called you and i to be his ambassadors even in this dark moment tune in to the hamilton quarter weekdays at 5 p.m central on urban family talk my name's antonio my drinking had gotten to the point where i was embarrassed to go to the liquor store But when I came to Teen Challenge, I finally broke the stronghold alcohol had on my life. Now I'm truly free. If you know an adult or teenager who's struggling with a chemical addiction, Teen Challenge can help. Call us today at 417-581-2181 or reach us online at TeenChallengeUSA.com. This is Urban Family Talk.
1: Securing America. After U.S. Senator James Inhofe toured border patrol and ICE facilities in Texas, he spoke with Fox News about a new immigration bill he's introducing, which would require asylum seekers hoping to cross the border at points of entry to instead make their way to a U.S. consulate or embassy in Mexico or Canada for a credible fear screening. My goal is to have a, an asylum system set up so the individuals don't have to come into the United States in order to have the determination, and that's where you. You hear the stories about setting up court dates between a, a ju, a, asylum justices and uh, people just not showing up for court. Chair of Northern Arizona University's Politics and International Affairs Program, Steven Nuno, says bills like this won't solve anything. From 2015 to 2016, there was an 11% decrease in the amount of applications
2: granted. In Los Fresnos, Texas, Charlie Pastora, Fox News. Welcome back to Stacey on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Richard Goodstein is a lawyer. He advised both of Hillary Clinton's presidential campaigns, and he joins us tonight. Do you think, as Congressman Joe Kennedy of Massachusetts said, that it's inhumane, worse inhumane, to arrest a man wanted for murder by the Mexican government? Tucker, I hope we can agree, before I answer that question, because we're talking about ICE, that in deference to our president, we could use perfect English tonight Um, I think Americans should use perfect, well, hold on, Americans should use perfect English. Why is that? Is that Uh racist now to say you should speak Uh English? I, I, English language saying, is not a race, it's what it, holds it, our country it together, wildly, it's okay. wildly, racist for the Why president racist? introducing a Hispanic, language is, this Hispanic- is so stupid. Sorry. Language is no, not, a not a race. Not when our ancestors came to this country, they were taught in public schools to speak English because it binds the country together. A country that has no I'm common race or religion, I'm language holds us together. There's nothing wrong with that. And the left, which seeks to divide us for political gain, yeah. pretends it's racist to say you should speak English. Yeah. It's
3: not. Is it, I mean, I'm, I'm genuinely interested in the opinions of anyone who feels like it's racist to ask everyone to speak English. Um, and I really want to, I really want to really just take a second to say that I enjoy English. I'm going to just go ahead and out myself. I actually enjoy English a lot. Um, I grew up. One of my little things that I would sneak and do because I wasn't sure if I was allowed was my parents had a big, huge red Webster's Dictionary. And sometimes we had this big wall unit thing. It's called a shrunk. And I grew up in Germany and my parents bought one of those, one of their first furniture pieces that they bought. And the dictionary was in the lower right hand section of cabinets in the shrunk. And of course it was unlocked. And so I would just go over and sometimes if I woke up in the middle of the night and I couldn't sleep, I would take my flashlight and I would go into the living room because we lived in... Uh, on base and base housing. So there weren't a lot of extra rooms at our house. So I would go there, I'd get down there with my flashlight and I would go to like the S section and I would go down all of the words in the S section and just read them just to see what they, because I was I was always thinking there's going to be some word in here that tells me a secret. But, and that was the impression that I had, that the dictionary held secrets. There's had to be a word in there that once you learned the definition of that word, you knew something that was like outside of what was a normal thing. I mean, it was... It, thinking back, I'm like, why would I? Why was I doing that? Why didn't I just like turn on the TV or something? But of course, I, I kind of know that why too. There was no TV in the middle of the night back then in Germany. Afn signed off at like one in the morning, and then after that, it was just those color, the, the little bars with the high pitch whining sound. So anyway, I I enjoy English. I, I enjoy the Queen's English, meaning the proper pronunciation and usage of English. And every now and again, you know, I'll say you know, some, some word that's made up or something like that. But that's not, that's not an insult to the, to the English. I believe, because when, when you talk to other people from foreign countries, when you talk to someone who's German or French, they'll say, oh, English, it's so hard to learn. And if you ask them, why is English so hard to learn? They'll say, well, you can learn English. You can learn how to speak English and have a fully functioning command of a good size vocabulary of English words but because you you Americans use so much so a word spoken a certain way can mean something completely different and you guys use a lot of sarcasm sarcasm is also an indicator of higher intelligence which is kind of interesting the more sarcastic a person is usually they have a higher intellect but you know aside from that if you're a foreigner and you say something and use the word with strictly its definition but the word has evolved to mean something else, meaning it literally, the, def- the definition of it doesn't completely encompass all of the meanings, it can be a little hard to capture the essence of English or to understand what Americans are saying to you if they're speaking casually and they're not treating you as someone who doesn't speak the language. And I find that fascinating. And the use of idioms in English is very difficult for foreigners to kind of get a hold to in addition to learning the language. And so there's something special about coming to America and wanting to be an American and not just taking part in our customs and enjoying our fantastic society, but the ultimate in being an American is when you speak English. Tucker Carlson is not exaggerating when he says that it is the thing that binds us together because in some countries, like Islamic countries, the thing that binds them together is they all practice Islam. That They won't allow any Bibles within their country's borders. This was something that I found so fascinating when I was on uh, temporary duty, TDY, to Saudi Arabia. So they said, look, you can bring your Bible, but let's say you're here and your mom wants to send you another Bible. You might as well tell her not to do that because everything they mail to you while you're here, every package that comes into Saudi Arabia is opened. And it is searched so that like if you're in Germany and you mail me a Bible in the United States, the U.S. Postal Service does not open up the box and check to see, are there any Bibles in here? Are there any Korans in here? In Saudi Arabia, the practice of Islam is exclusive and you cannot be a a citizen of their country and practice Christianity. You can't own a Bible. So if you're there in the country on command sponsorship as I was, I could bring a Bible with me. But if my mom sent me a Bible in the mail, their censors would remove that Bible, close the package back up and send the rest of whatever was in there. So it was like three boxes of cookies and a Bible. I'd get three boxes of cookies. I might eventually end up getting that Bible, but not until after they kind of basically researched, found out everything they could about the person who sent it and everything they could about me. Then when they realized I was there on a temporary tour of duty, they would maybe let the Bible get through. But more more often, it just gets destroyed. This is what people don't really understand about this. So, in those countries, they don't have necessarily a national language. They mostly all speak Farsi, or, or you know, they all speak one form of of you know Arabic language. But they don't need a national language because they have a national religion that they all adhere to. In America, we don't have a national religion. We have Christianity, which is the founding, you know, that's what this country was founded on, but you can easily move here and bring all the Korans you want with you and even convert other people to Islam. That's the nature of the freedom of this country. But we do have English, and the speaking of English is facilitated by reading the Bible, or at least it was up until teachers got tired of teaching the Bible and they wanted to teach something else, and so they started making curriculum around teaching the language by reading all kinds of books including the Bible, they said at first. And then afterwards, they're like, well, the Bible's kind of offensive to some people. It wasn't offensive. It was just they didn't want to teach it anymore. And so over time, now it's gotten to the point where if you're at school and you break a Bible out, somebody's liable to take it from you and say, you can't have that here, separation of church and state. It's a book that you can read in public. You can also read it in school. It is unconstitutional to force children to put their Bibles away or not read their Bibles in school. But do you see how we've traveled? Just think about it. Harvard University was a Christian university. Now, look at it. Same with Princeton. Because the atheists weren't starting hospitals and higher educational facilities, but the Christians were. That's how we got mass education in this country. Christians. So when he says, you know, this person isn't going to speak Perfect English it should be that every person who comes here, whether they are an immigrant or whether they are a natural born citizen, that one of their chief aims should be to dominate the speaking of English. The side benefit to speaking English well is that it indicates that you are well educated and it means that you are ultimately hireable when you show up to an interview and you're speaking the queen's English, a number of things are being communicated to the interviewer right in that moment. People who speak English very well are much less likely to be involved in crime. People who speak the queen's English also, it means they can read it. And in the end, it means you are a great representative for the company because when someone talks to you, if you're, whether you're at the front desk or the front counter or you're answering phones or if you're someone that you have to get through a few people to finally sit down with you to talk, whoever is interfacing with that business is going to interface with you and hear you speaking the king's English and think, the queen's English and think, oh my goodness, this person, it's, it's just, there's all of the barriers are just, they've come down when the person you're speaking with speaks good English. The fact that you have to explain that nowadays just shows how far down the rabbit hole we've gone in basically accommodating liberals. It's just not right to expect everyone to speak English. What do you expect them to speak? Pig Latin? Like, uh, unless you're saying people come here so they don't speak English, so they can be on welfare and just speak their own language, then why are they here? If you only want to speak Espanol, why not stay in a country that only speaks Espanol? Because there's free money to get here? Oh, okay. But if you say that, that gets, well, you're just being racist. That's not racist. That's the motivation for a person to come here and never want to learn to speak English. Like that story about the lady who was pregnant. She's on the way to the hospital to have a planned C-section. She, they stop at the gas station and her husband gets arrested. The news story was about how they, that he was arrested and deported because America is so horrible. And Donald Trump is just arresting people for willy-nilly. But the fact is the guy was a murderer. He was wanted for murderer in Mexico. That's why he was deported, because we have an extradition treaty with them. There was a warrant out for his arrest, and he was being searched for. Meanwhile, the woman who's been in this country for over 10 years, she couldn't speak any English in the interview. She's been here for 10 years, living off the taxpayers, cranking out the babies who apparently neither the dad nor the mom are American citizens, but somehow the kids are. Miss me with that descended from slaves on one side, which means I don't agree with that. Birthright citizenship should apply only to people who are descended from slaves because that is why that amendment was passed, to ensure that people who were slaves in this country previously could remain in this country after slavery. That's it. All the rest of it is just noise. And like I've said before, I'll say it again, Blacks in this country, Blacks who are descended from slaves, and whites in this country, people who were, they trace their lineage back to before the Civil War, we're all, we're one blood. Most black people have up to 40% of their their makeup is other. So it's black and other, up to 40% for most blacks who are here since, since slavery. So that means some of that other is some of you. If you. We are one blood. If we're, if we're basically, we're related and we share the, the common history of once having practiced slavery in this country and now not having practiced it because blacks and whites died in the Civil War to end it. So this idea that other foreigners can come here and claim the civil rights legacy, no, they can't. They don't share the blood that we share. The fact that blacks and whites in this country, some are at each other's throats over, you know, I don't even know what all of these issues are when the reality is we are one blood is utterly ridiculous. And it is a pure function of dissension that's been sowed into our nation by liberals who just want to win elections at any cost. Destroying our shared heritage is an, it's, it's a, like a side casualty of, of this movement that they've implemented. And I understand that there are good people, some of them Christians, who they believe in the Black Lives Matter movement and other movements like that. But those movements are being used as tools to destroy our shared common bond, which is, it comes from our history as a country, From the Civil War that we fought, from the Reconstruction era, from the Jim Crow South, the Civil Rights era, and up to now. And just like any family you come across, because all families are dysfunctional to some degree, the relationship between blacks and whites in America is dysfunctional as well, but it is also a family relationship. And it's one that outsiders have no place trying to carve a piece of it out for themselves, and so I'm not, you know, if you're if you're immigrated here recently, welcome. Good to be here, but start speaking some English. Respect that history between the founders up to now that brought us to a place where you could come and live here and be amongst us. Respect that. Offer to us your contribution by speaking English. It's the right thing to do. And it is not the right thing to do to come here and sow dissension and to act as if you have something to do with our history here as a nation about the civil rights movement, about slavery, about all of that, that you don't have any part of that. Learn about it. Teach your kids about it. Be glad that it happened and that you're here afterwards. But you don't have any parts of that. The LGBT movement doesn't have any part of it. Illegal immigrants don't have any part of it. Transgenders don't have any part of it. That is our unique shared bond as black and white Americans that we have come through and we are at this point. I'm just so sick of the discussion around it. It It's so outrageous that we allow this to happen. It look, in the end, it doesn't matter even beyond our shared history because this is the body I get to stroll around in while I'm on this earth. But I am an eternal being, as you are, called into the kingdom by Jesus Christ, bond servant to Christ. That is my identity. I happen to sport the permanent tan. That's it. (laughs) And that's a legacy I'm glad to claim. All right. That's the show for today. We'll be back on hump day. Have a great night. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of urban family talk, urban family communications, or American family as or American family.